0: For the Irish at the timeout. Williams right to the right side. Powers to the end zone. Well, low snap. Picked it up. Takes an end zone shot. Hand fighting. But Kimberly goes up and gets it. And it is a touchdown. Welcome back to another episode of the Golden Homers Podcast with your hosts, Mason Plummer and Nathan Urbach.
1: Welcome into the golden homers podcast in this episode we were going through our 2022 notre dame football superlatives from team mvp all the way down to who we think will be the best freshman on the roster this season to help us out with this we welcome in our good friend john kennedy of the always irish show john always brings some different perspective and we love him for that. On top of the team and, some, and player superlatives, we also have some bold predictions for the 2022 season, both good and bad, but we are the Golden Homers for a reason, so obviously mostly good. I know I look forward to this podcast discussion every year, and I'm excited to get this episode underway. As always, I'm Nathan Erbach, joined by my co-host Mason Plummer. Let's get after it. All right, guys, welcome in to another edition of the Golden Homers podcast. Like I said in our intro, we welcome a special guest today, one of the good friends of the podcast and on, on Twitter, a guy that Mason and I know very well from just conversations with Notre Dame about Notre Dame football. I know Mason and John have had some you know interactions in person and we're working on that here to maybe make that where we all three of us meet up at some point. But um, always welcome to the show. Um, but John of Always Irish is here with us. But before we get to him, Mason, how are you doing today?
0: Uh, Doing well, other than Michael Kopech just died on the baseball field, so uh, my afternoon could be going better.
1: I don't know what you mean by that, but I guess we can get into that once we bring in John.
0: He blew out his knee again, damn it.
1: Got it. I don't want to talk about
0: this either. I thought maybe he got hit by a. By a line drive, so that makes me feel a little bit better about the situation. I prefer him get hit with a line drive than blow out his knee. And he he was warming up, injured, and Larusa sent him out there anyways, injured, and let him pitch the first and get in a 4-0 hole, injured. Damn, that's unfortunate. I'm sorry. That's what I'm watching right now. I'm about to turn it off so I don't have to watch it.
1: Unfortunate for White Sox fans for sure. But uh, but John, obviously you're a White Sox fan as well. But we're not here to talk about the White Sox. How are you doing today, man?
2: I'm doing very well. It's nice to join you guys again. Um, Mason's trying to bring me down with this White Sox stuff. We're just gonna we're gonna ignore that that happened. Um, It's just it's good to almost have football here, you guys. I feel like everybody's at the point where now we're just ready. Like social media is wild. I feel like people are just we're ready to have something to analyze other than just yell at each other about everything we want to yell about. So I'm ready to just get this season going. The fact that it's Ohio state week one, I think ramps up some of that anxiety. I'm just ready to get into it. Let's go. Do you guys agree?
1: Yeah, no, absolutely. (laughs) Eventually the talking about it isn't enough, right?
2: it's just
0: yeah, pointless arguments with everybody you know about things that don't matter ultimately what happens on the field matters you know arguing over x's and o's and who we think can be good and who's not just time to see who actually is
1: the x's and o's and the jimmies and joes right okay.
0: that's All right, right.
1: So like I mentioned, guys, today we're doing kind of a uh, fun episode for you guys. It's going to be the Notre Dame superlatives for the 2022 season. With that, we have like our team MVP, offensive and defensive player of the year, breakout player, best freshman. Um, A fun one here, our 2023 class Recruit that we f- or commit—I should say—that we feel would make an impact, or one that we would want on the field for Notre Dame in the fall right now, uh, Mister Reliable. And then we're also going to throw a few bold predictions your way for the 2022 season. And then next week we're going to get into more of our actual predictions for Ohio State and so on and so forth. Um, so before we get into that, just a few quick notes. Um, obviously, we did—we have not recorded since the Jarrett Patterson injury news. Um, obviously kind of a big deal there. We don't know if he's going to be ready for Ohio State. Marcus Freeman did mention last Saturday. We might have actually recorded Mason now that I'm thinking about this because he was recorded last Saturday. But just maybe a quick update there. Marcus Freeman mentioned that, you know, he was essentially a pain tolerance issue for him. Um, it's since come out that maybe he's not going to be ready to go for that game. I know he was sort of visibly on a with a, a legit, you know, cast around his leg and um using a scooter so that's not always the best of news when they say foot injury so you know hopefully it's not as not worse than what freeman described but assuming it's a pain or pain tolerance thing i think we all agree that he'll be on the field against ohio state but um john we have an idea on for this but maybe you can throw some
2: thoughts on the jared patterson news for us here's my thought is is When you're looking at this team, particularly the matchup against Ohio State, I feel like offensive line was one of those position groups that you felt as a Notre Dame fan would be able to hold their own, you know, move some people and allow Notre Dame to keep the ball, eat up some clock, you know, be able to run. I felt really, really good about that going into this game. Uh, and now I just feel a little less good about it. Like, I don't know what else to say. Like, it's, you know, if if, if, if he can't go or he's not under percent I, I just like that group a little less than I liked it a week ago. Um, but it does frustrate me. That was one area I was hoping would be an obvious strength against Ohio State. And now it looks like it just might be weakened a little bit, and I don't like it.
0: Yeah, I mean, it's tough. Bring, you know, he comes back to try to improve his stock, moves from center, and you're, you know, you're relying on him to be an anchor on that offensive line, especially week one. So, you know, I'm confident in Christofik to be able to step in. I think I said that last week, or maybe in the spaces, but um, I mean, he's not of Patterson's level. So, uh, definitely step down in the position Notre Dame, or I guess a group Notre Dame really needs to be able to dominate if it wants to have a good shot against Ohio State.
1: Yeah. Um, moving on a little bit. I mean, there's been some talk about Maris Leah foul. Um, I don't know anything for sure on that end, but I think that's more of just them easing him back since he's not, you know, he's coming back from a pretty serious injury himself, whether he starts or not um, against Ohio state, he's going to get snaps and whether he starts five of 12 games this year or 12 of 12 games this year for him, it's really going to be about the snap count because they have a lot of linebackers. They want to get in there. I mean, obviously with Bertrand and um, Bauer, Kaiser, obviously, I think you're going to see some Prince Collie at times. Jordan Patello can kind of move from Viper to to Rover to Will and all that kind of stuff. So they're going to have different packages for different players. So wouldn't worry too much about Leafau. Other guy there that, you know, has been mentioned is, you know, Cam Hart. I think – was absent or possibly absent from practice for a little bit today. That does not seem to be anything serious, if if anything at all, which is good news considering he's Notre Dame's best cornerback and Ohio State has a lot of really good receivers. Um, And then lastly, it looks like Deion Colsey and Jaden Thomas were back on the practice field in full capacity today. Colsey, uh, you know, obviously with the knee brace on, but still playing. And, and Thomas looks like 100% full go from his, uh, I think Freeman described it as a grade one hamstring. So nothing serious there, but they gave him some time off, at least from practice stuff. And then the other one was Joe Wilkins. And obviously the theme here is wide receiver room, just because with Avery Davis down and Notre Dame already having a fairly small room. Um, it's nice to see those guys back, and Joe Wilkins seems to be practicing that full go. Um, if we're going to throw another guy in there, it looks like the uh, Logan Diggs is off of the red uh, red jersey, uh, possibly even moved or switched numbers to number three, um, which was his high school number, and you know maybe he's honoring Avery Davis a little bit as well. But uh, so some good news. It looks like Notre Dame's getting some guys back at the skill position, uh, you know positions, and. Obviously, against a team like Ohio State, that's huge. So any thoughts on that, guys?
0: Yeah, I mean, it's good, good stuff all around. I was, I think we, you know, we texted in our group chat. I was surprised to see Diggs rocking the number three already. You know, there was some speculation that it was like an Ohio State thing, but uh, Matt Freeman's reporting it's legit and that he's switching. So it makes more sense. That was his high school number. Kind of forgot about that. But, um, yeah, I mean, I think it's interesting. Threes uh, reminds me of Darius Walker. I do mixed feelings about him. But um, as a running back number, we we said earlier, too, that 22 is a cool running back number. I don't know how I feel about three as a running back. But, uh, you know, as long as Davis is okay with it, I kind of pictured Avery Davis on the sideline still, you know, wearing his jersey, but just in sweatpants. And um, I guess we're not going to have that. So I don't know. It seems seems a little bit strange.
2: Here's my question. Is does this mean Diggs is going to be back? for Ohio State, or he's just easing back off the red, getting back into conditioning, hitting and all that? Or is he like, I'm back and I'm ready to go? Like, where do we stand on that? It
1: seems as though he will be back, even if it's limited. Um, I, I know Freeman's been cautious about how he says it, because I guess there's always the, the chance he's not. Um, but it, it, it certainly seems like he's going to be now that he's out of the red, you know, he's out of the red um, jersey. And as long as his conditioning, I think, is up to par, which it looks like it's been based off what he's been doing in practices, even within that red jersey, Um, I would say he's maybe not going to carry the load against Ohio State. I mean, I think it's good that they have Tyree and obviously Audrick Estime that that can handle that position well enough. But – yeah, I mean, I would be very surprised at this point if Diggs isn't on
0: the field, but that's more of my opinion based on what I've heard versus having any actual knowledge on the situation. I think him getting off that red jersey at this point is a good sign. I would I would be worried if it was like another three or four days and he still had it on. But, yeah, get him getting into getting into the blue jersey, making contact. Um, I can't remember who the corner or safety was that he ran into on the sideline pretty hard, like lowered his shoulder. Nathan, do you remember that? there was a report that came out from practice that he lowered his shoulder into a guy? Yeah, I don't remember who it was, but it, but it was a good sign to an extent that a kid like that was
1: willing to do it
0: for sure. But he has the confidence to do it and that little, little chip to his game. Like, I'm not just going to jog out of bounds because my shoulder is still kind of bugging me. Like, take this kind of thing. I like that.
1: Yeah, so, I mean, that's kind of the news. Um, obviously just of the last couple of days and, and last week or so so, so i think I, overall some good news there i mean patterson obviously you hope he's back but um the other guys things seem to be trending a little bit more positively since the avery davis news at wide receiver at running back so on and so forth um but guys let's get into the superlatives um i think it's a fun episode every year and if i'm not mistaken john we might have had you on this on the pod last year for this specific episode too so um, we'll be fun to kind of look back maybe if we can find, find our thoughts on, on last year versus this year, but let's go ahead. I mean, I think we should just start at the top, um, MVP of the team. I mean, and the fun thing is that Notre Dame used to do this or still does this on a yearly basis at their award ceremony. Um, and they do a good job of like, just because the team MVP comes from defense or offense, they also reward someone for offense and defensive player of the year. Um, but go, well, actually, John, we'll start with you on this one. Um, who who do you have put down as your team MVP for this season?
2: I mean, I guess I kind of did one offense, one defense. I don't think it's very exciting, but I went with the best guy on offense, Mayor, the NFL player. And I went with Foskey. who's was going to be a draft pick. I think those are the two. Here's how I tried to look at this. I just tried to sit back and just say, Who do I think is the best player on each side of the ball? That's what I came up with. The one question I have is, I'm confident Foskey's going to do what he's going to do, assuming health. He's set up for a big year in a unit that's already been playing well historically. My question about Mayer is, we all know he's the focal point. You have this kind of weak wide receiver. I don't want to say weak, but you're uncertain of exactly what you're going to be able to rely upon. Sure. Is there a saturation point with Michael Mayer? That's my only question about saying he's the offensive MVP. I, I always say give it, there's no amount of passes I'm going to say are too many. And if it draws guys to him and opens up other guys, whatever that, is, that looks like, I'm fine with. He's your best player. Get him the ball as much as you can. Practically, MVP. I don't like the wide receivers. I think that's going to affect the quarterback. You have the great tight end and the running backs. I think it's going to be largely by committee. So I don't see one of those guys jumping out ahead. That's how I came to this.
0: Yeah, I think that makes a lot of sense. Um, I just did the one team MVP. I think he's the best player on the team, Michael Mayer. Um, I have him for 1,000 yards and eight touchdowns. I think that's a little bit high. I was looking at his stats from last year, but I just think the volume of targets he's going to get and just how good he is as a player, I think it's possible. And I'm shooting a little bit high there, you know, more likely, you know, 850 to 900, probably seven touchdowns, but you know, you never know, maybe he'll get, have a couple two touchdown games. I could see it happening. UNLV Cal Marshall, those kind of games that, um, you know, stack them up. So um, yeah, Michael Mayer team MVP for me.
1: Yeah. I had Michael Mayer as a team MVP and my reasoning for it really was, if the, if the Notre Dame team, in my opinion, if, if they're going to be in a, a championship caliber team, the offense is going to have to be championship caliber. And I, I trust that the defense will be. So maybe we look foolish when we look back on this and Foskey has, you know, 15 sacks on the season or something like that. And he's very clearly the team MVP. But um the, the other reason I chose Mayor and John, you brought up a good point with the fact that you know maybe there's going to be some issues with throwing the ball because of the wide receiver room and so on and so forth. But he's going to provide such a you know a, a safety a safety net for Tyler Buckner. And then also, I think he's going to be one of those guys that opens up, you know the wide receivers to perform at a higher level than maybe even some of them should. And in, in, in all reality. I mean, I think he's, he's going to provide, or he's going to essentially account for double teams, possibly even triple teams at times teams are going to, you know, pretty much do all they can to stop him. Cause they feel like if they stop him, then they can stop the Notre Dame offense. And if that opens up other guys and they can't stop the Notre Dame offense, even in games that maybe Mayer only goes like for three catches for 30 yards or something like that. And, and Notre Dame is able to win games with, with that. Then um, I, I think we're going to see an offense overall that's great. And even though, so sometimes the stat sheet might not show it, there's going to be so many different things he does on the on the field that that provide um, for value, I guess. And that's kind of how I determined it.
0: Yeah, I think that makes a lot of sense for sure.
1: So. Um, let's go to. I know John, you kind of had both of them here, but I'm assuming you probably have different answers for offensive player of the year and defensive player of the year because of the way you framed it. Um, but let's go ahead and start with offensive player of the year. And uh, Mason, we can start with you on this one.
0: Yeah, I've got Buckner um, again, kind of wishful thinking. But I think if you know you laid it out as if you know if this team's going to be championship caliber, if this team's going to be legit, it's kind of start with and end with Tyler Buckner. You know, for one for one way or another better or worse so I think he can be dynamic we're not maybe we won't necessarily see that week one because such a tough test and I don't hope people don't write him off after week one I don't want to say it's gonna be a bad performance but I think it's gonna be tough for him for sure Um, but who knows knows? he could surprise and you know really ball out against Ohio State but um, against the lesser teams I think he's just kind of you know purely athleticism wise be able to to dominate so I'm expecting a lot from Tyler Buckner this year both in the running and passing game I think he brings lot to what Notre Dame wants to do I think he's you know he's such a dynamic player and um just his, his pure athleticism is huge so um we're I'm excited to see him actually be able to air it out a little bit not just being there for you know running packages so uh, but he's going he's always gonna bring that element of the run game too which is really exciting rather than having you know a guy that's, that can walk faster than he can run and Jack Cohn so um yeah I'm excited to see what Tyler Buckner can do he's my offensive player of the year Go ahead,
2: John. Philosophically, you got to explain to me how your most valuable player, if it's an offensive player, isn't also your offensive player of the year. How can that be philosophically? So the way we did it, the way we did it, John, and, and I think everybody does it differently. is how Notre
1: Dame does it, where at the end of the year, they reward a team MVP, but then they also give out an Offensive Player of the Year that is a different player or a Defensive Player of the Year, depending on who wins uh, MVP.
2: All right, I got you. So here's my thought. I, I started to go down that Buckner path in my mind, but I pulled off it. And the reason I do has nothing to do with him but a lot of the dynamics around him. I think he's going to be forced to have to run around a lot, make some plays that way. But I'm nervous about his passing numbers like a traditional quarterback stat line. I don't expect it to be that pretty because of some of the issues he's dealing with outside and all that. So I I think if you know what you're looking for, you're going to be able to see a lot in Buckner. But I don't expect the, the stat line, especially throwing the ball, to be that great just as a stat line. So I went away from him on player of the year only because I don't exactly trust what's around him to get him there. I would default to Mayor. Here's where I wanted to go, though. I want to get a little freaky and go with styles. That's what I want to do. If I get wild with this, see him emerge as that number one guy, a true star, turn into a guy people know outside of Notre Dame. But I'm just not sure that it's going to be physically possible this year with some of the issues. Like if he emerges as the number one guy and they know that the other guys aren't getting open, that's going to affect his numbers. So I got issues with that, too. So I guess that's a roundabout way to say I wanted to default to Mayer because I think, like you said, Nathan, he's your outlet. He's your safety valve on third and four. You know, he's whatever you need him to be. If I trusted what was around us more, I'd go Buckner. And if I trusted those receivers at all, I might go with Styles to see him bust out.
1: Yeah, no, I mean, all good points there. Um, I think Mason made a good point with Buckner that just because his, maybe his opening week stat line won't be possibly amazing. I mean, you never know. Um, I wouldn't count him out for, you know, for MVP. Part of that is also just the fact that it's, it's one game, whether it's Ohio State or not, and it's his first game as a starter. Um, if he if, you know, if he's plays decent enough against Ohio State and then balls out you know, as the year goes on, as he gets more comfortable in the offense and so on and so forth, then I think that that's a, a, net, a net plus there. Um, John, you stole my thunder a little bit because my offensive player of the year actually is Lorenzo Stiles. Um, I don't want to get too far into what, what my reasoning is because I have a, a breakout, or, or sorry, my, um, one of my bold predictions involves Lorenzo Styles. So I don't want to get too far into it, but a lot of what you said, John, I think kind of is the reason why, why I think that, Um, I think he's a guy that can very easily take over that number one spot this year. I think he's dynamic enough as a, as a player that regardless if other guys step up at wide receiver, I think he's going to be one of those guys. that's just too good. No matter what you see that all over the country. I mean, there's teams out there that essentially they only throw it to one guy. And if Notre Dame has Michael Mayer and Lorenzo Styles as guys that just essentially can't be stopped, I I, I think they're both going to put up big numbers. My caution was kind of what the same thing you said with with Buckner is not necessarily that I don't have the faith that Buckner is going to be a dynamic player for Notre Dame, but I think that there are at least some questions about his, you know, his pocket pass passing ability and, and throwing the football, not from an arm strength standpoint or anything like that, but just from a overall lay of the land QB standpoint, if that makes any sense. And so that could maybe deter from, uh, or, or limit, I should say, Lorenzo styles's numbers. But uh, overall, I think he's just going to be a very dynamic player for Notre Dame and, and a guy that, again, when I get to my bold predictions, um, I think people will see why I have him as the offensive player of the year. So um, That's fair. We'll, moving past that, and John, we'll start with you on this one. Uh, defensive player of the year
2: all right so i think it's boring to just say foskey 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 defensively i just think he just stands out as an nfl guy let me get a little unique on you maybe not new- unique i think all last year that middle of that defense i think they missed maris lee a lot i just did i think he's one of those guys that you can fit in where you need him in these different positional groupings, these different packages. He is an energy that I relate to because he kind of runs around out there on fire, ready to light everybody up. I feel like that defense really could have used him last year a lot. He was lost before this season. I think it was like a year to this week he got lost. It was in camp, And I think, I I don't know if the numbers can turn out to be defensive player of the year. If there's like underrated defensive player of the year, maybe that's better for this. I just like what he's able to provide. And I think if he's healthy, you're going to see a big benefit of having him flying around out there, all the different little things he could do and these packages and The energy, I think that's going to be like an extra accelerant to the defense. And I can't wait to see him back out there.
0: I think he's just going to bring so much energy. And just he's so, you know, similar to Buckner, just so dynamic in the way that he can change a game himself. Um, My defensive player of the year, I didn't want to go Foskey. Um, A couple of the names came to mind, you know, Kaiser, Bertrand, are kind of boring, I guess. So I went with Brandon Joseph because I think the value that he's going to bring to Notre Dame secondary. I think if you didn't bring in Brandon Joseph, we're a lot more concerned about the Notre Dame secondary, uh, specifically the safety positions, you know, the, just the lack of experience back there and then losing Kyle Hamilton's huge. So um, I'm really excited about what Brandon Joseph can do, locking down the secondary. I think he's a big game player. He's already played in the big 10. He's had interceptions against Ohio state. He knows what they're going to bring to the table. Um, I, I, you know, he's really excited to prove himself. And I think he took this as a challenge to come to Notre Dame and, you know, prove himself to be a, a draft pick kind of guy where he can come to Notre Dame for one year and then move on to the NFL. You know, uh, Selfishly, I hope that doesn't happen. But if it does, that means good things for Brandon Joseph. And that means he had a stellar season for Notre Dame. And that likely means Notre Dame was a very good team. So uh, I'm expecting you know a good amount of interceptions for Brandon Joseph. I, I like what he brings to the back half of Notre Dame's defense. He's my defensive player of the year.
1: Yeah, I went the boring route. I went with Foskey mostly because he was my second player for team MVP behind Michael Mayer. Um, I think it's the most important position on on defense. It's like I mean, it's not the quarterback per se. I think that's probably the the middle linebacker spot, depending on the defense you run. But from a draft standpoint and from a value standpoint in the NFL and at the college level these days, I, I think that you could argue that defensive end is the second most valuable position on the field. Um, so I did put him. As my, as my player for um, Defensive Player of the Year. I mean, he's I, – I think the benefit he has is having so many good players around him. You know, you have guys like Jason Adamalola, Justin Adamalola, Riley Mills, Howard Cross, Jacob Lacey. You know, all of those guys are going to make it easier for him to do what he does, and that's get to the quarterback. And it's because those guys can't be – you, know, you can't just lose those guys. You can't double-team Foskey as much as you want to double-team Foskey because there's too many other guys that can make plays. And so I think he's going to be a guy that ends up with, uh, with huge numbers this year. Um, I forget him how many sacks he had last year, but I, I, I would venture to guess he ends up with more. Um, I think he's a bona fide top 15, top 20 player, um, draft-eligible player, and, and that's going to show this year. So Foskey, for me, is defensive player of the year.
2: Makes sense.
1: All right. So just to follow up, uh, looks like we all are sort of in agreement when it comes to like MVP, offensive player, defensive player of the year. We don't have a consensus per se, but we all kind of have this share kind of the same thoughts. Uh, I think this one will be where it gets a little bit interesting because we have, You know, our breakout player, our Mr. Reliable, best freshman. These ones were, were I think it might, we might have a little bit different opinion. Um, So Mason, we're going to start with you here, but who, uh, who do you have as your
0: breakout player for,
1: for 2022?
0: Yeah, this one's a little bit interesting. Uh, I took some time with it. I'm going to go with Audric Estime. I think he's going to shoulder the load. Uh, in terms of the running back room. I do think it's going to be a committee because they all offer different things, but I think he offers something Notre Dame needs down in the red zone that I think Diggs could provide. Tyree definitely can't, but just running through, you know, in between the tackles, shouldering through somebody and getting in, you know, for six in a tight area. So um, I've got estimate down. I think he's going to not necessarily lead Notre Dame in yardage, you know, from the running back room, but I think he will lead them in touchdowns. I think he gets close to double digits. I just think Notre going to be able to run the ball really well. And if Estime ended up with eight, nine, 10 touchdowns, that wouldn't surprise me at all.
2: I also had Estime as my breakout star. However, when I was thinking about it, it was with the assumption that Diggs was going to be somewhat limited early on. Like I'm erring on the side of that rather than he's a full go. Meaning that Estime would get more opportunity. He would be needed more to have more of a chance to prove himself. So that's the way I wanted to go. Also, I really like the way he's changed him and the program have worked on his body and changed some of the way he looks to where he's not losing that power, but it's not slowing him down and he could go side to side easier but not lose some of that Jerome Bettis bulk that I see in him that I liked. Um, So I, I really like that. Um, He's a different kind of cat mentally as well. Um, I remember last year, I think it might've even been after the bowl game or the night of the bowl game. He put out some tweets about, like not being happy where he is and he's going to put in the work and people are going to know who he is next year. And like, I'm on the grind. Like there's, he's a little different mentally and I really like it. There's a lot of dog in him and I'm very excited to see how that's going to turn out. If he ends up sharing a bunch of these carries, I don't know what those numbers are going to look like, or if it's more goal line stuff, cause he's more of a bruiser. I don't know. Um, but I like where he's at physically and mentally. And I think he has an opportunity to really prove himself this year. I'm excited to see what he can do.
1: Yeah. I think he actually said he was going to win the Doak Walker award this year. So certainly some confidence there out of the kid. Um, and I think that's one thing, you know, if, if someone has that kind of confidence, you, you love it because that means they're going to put in the work. So surprise you guys both said him, um, but certainly interesting. I, the guy I ended up going with, and maybe this is, A little boring because of the fact that he's been talked about a lot as a breakout player, but I went with Riley Mills. Um, He was one of my favorite players coming out of high school in the class that he was in. Um, I think he's a freak athletically on the defensive line. And I think he's, and I, I mentioned it sort of when I was talking about Foskey for defensive player of the year, but I think he's going to be a big reason why Foskey wins defensive player of the year. And it's because they can't keen in on him. They can't bring help to that side because, or at least not as often as you'd want to, because then it's like, okay, well, where's the help for Riley Mills? Cause he's going to, there's a chance if teams just decide to double team Foskey, that maybe Mills is the best player on the Notre Dame defense this year. So Um, he he was much closer to being my defensive player of the year than maybe I should admit. And so I think for
0: breakout star, um, it's going to be Riley Mills for me. I like that pick a lot. And I actually thought about him for defensive player of the year. I'm going back and forth on him for my, my bold prediction. I'm trying to decide if I want to let this one fly or not, because it's a little bit wild, but you're (laughs) kind of warming me up to it. So we'll see if I actually go through with it. Love it. Love it.
2: I, I had, I, a lot of these, I did one offense, one defense. I had Riley mills as my defensive breakout star. And, and the, the fun part of this isn't always just like the guy, but like your mental path to get to the guy, like the opportunities in the, how you think the team's going to set up, like, and so for the exact same reasons, defensively, I had mills and, Nathan, like you said, it just helps when there's other really good players there. It opens opportunities up for everybody. It kind of a reverse scenario of what Styles is dealing with offensively. Um, It's like the exact opposite to where um, Mills is built. He looks damn near like an offensive lineman, but moves like a defensive lineman and has that like aggressive tick to him. And I I think he's ready to break out and the more guys that can command attention on that D line, the better it's going to be for all of them. So uh, I'm excited to see what he can do. Um, But he was on my list. Good picks guys.
1: Yep. Yep. I think we're all, I mean, again, I think all of us are, we, we know the Notre Dame roster inside and out. So maybe I shouldn't be as surprised that we were a little bit closer on board there than, than anticipated, but um Another one that I find very interesting and is Mister Reliable. We did this one last year, and I think I ended up with Avery Davis as my pick. I don't remember if you remember. I don't know if you remember your pick, Mason. Um, I believe it was Drew White. Drew White's, I mean, another really good pick. Just guys that – because I think another aspect of Mr. Reliable is this idea that the guy's sort of underrated. He's not as appreciated as other guys on the roster, but he just does his job day in and day out. I mean, you could argue that maybe J.D. Bertrand was actually their Mr. Reliable last year because it seemed like Notre Dame fans, for whatever reason, didn't like him as much, but he led the team in tackles, was sound. And and, uh, so, I mean, I think there's a few different guys – for sure that could be up for this award. And I actually had one down and I erased it and put a different guy on as we were recording. So um, John, we'll start with you here, but who's your Mr. Reliable?
2: So I guess it depends on, like you said, how you're gonna wanna define this. Like in certain ways, I could say it's mayor again. Cause he's going to be your third down outlet every single time. He's like,
1: certainly reliable. If nothing. Else. Right.
2: Like, you know, you know, if that ball's anywhere within a nine foot radius, he's catching it, or he's going to get a flag or there's going to be four. I could even call him Mr. Reliable. If it means he goes over the middle and there's three guys on him that leaves Tyree open for a dump off and a 12 yard first down. So. Sure, I think that counts as reliable, but let me get a little different on you. So we could try and kind of get some variation here. Let me flip this on you guys. We talked about Riley Mills and Foskey and, and those are big name guys. You know, Mills is a name on the rise. Foskey's on the NFL draft watch list. What if I go with brothers reliable and give you the enemy Ola boys there, holding it down in the middle, not getting all the fanfare as these other guys. People are forgetting which one's which. And they're out here making they're out here providing the opportunity for a guy like Fosky to, to make those plays. I respect the hell out of that, because those are guys that I don't think get their due because they're them dirty defensive linemen in there doing the tough jobs. So I'm going to give those brothers, Mr. Reliables, times two.
0: I like that a lot. I think that's funny, kind of, but I think it's true. You know, I I think that people want to move on to, like, the sexy name, I guess, and Adam and Lillis have been at Notre Dame for a while. And I won't won't say they had a rough start to their career, but they didn't – you know, they weren't guys that started as freshmen or, you know, had huge impacts as freshmen, but have steadily gotten better and better, waited for their opportunity, and then, you know, kind of broke out last season and were making a lot of plays. So – yeah, John, if you, if you see somebody making a tackle in the backfield and you say, you know, oh, Adam Alola, you know, you're probably right. So, you know, you're, you're good to go with that. But um, for uh, – where are we even at? Mr. Reliable. I have Jack Kaiser. Um, <laughs> I got distracted by the Adam Alola talk. I have Jack Kaiser. Uh, I think he's holding it down at linebacker. He's a sure tackler. And I, I like what he brings to the Notre Dame linebacking core. You know, you could have went with Bertrand or Kaiser, I guess, in this scenario – but Jack Kaiser he's very reliable to me I mean that's, I think that's the number one word that comes up other than football IQ which a lot of <laughs> a lot of uh, linebackers that are you know players look like him get that so uh, yeah I think Jack Kaiser you know he's a stalwart for the for the linebacking crew and he's gonna be you know if, if nothing else super consistent he's not somebody that's gonna you know blow you away necessarily but you know what you're getting out of him
2: that's a great pick good call
1: well, we're on the same page again, because my original, my original pick before we started recording was Jason Adamalola. But then I didn't think I was going to be giving enough Like, I didn't think I was going to be doing enough for Jack Kaiser if he wasn't mentioned on this show. And so Jack Kaiser, I wrote him down probably 10 minutes ago. And it, it honestly, John, when you described Mare. I know Kaiser isn't on the same level as Mayor specifically from a fan standpoint, but I don't think people realize just how athletically gifted that kid is. I think he's a guy that is going to end up having a much longer career in the NFL if he wants to, um, because he's one of the smartest kids on the team as well. If he wants to play in the NFL, I think he's going to be a much better player than people give him credit for. I think he's a guy that if he ends up at the NFL Combine is going to blow it up. Um, I really think that he is honestly closer to an athletic freak than, than people want to maybe not admit, but just don't realize. And I think he's going to be on the field, essentially every down. I don't think they're going to take him off if they don't have to, for any reason outside of injury. And if that's not reliable, then I don't know what is, because he's gonna, he's going to do so many things for you, whether it's in the passing game on defense Um, Or sorry, defending the pass on defense, defending the run on defense, playing a variety of positions, making the rover spot a, um, a position that doesn't need to be on the field for different spots, because you can just turn it into whatever you want with him. So if this defense is going to be great, then Kaiser, I think, has to be great. And I don't see a reason why he's not going to be.
2: Yeah, that's a good point. Um, And I think a lot of times, sometimes these linebackers end up doing a lot of dirty work that gets overlooked or unnoticed, you know? Um, And so, yeah, totally agree. Terrific selections.
1: All right, two more here, and then we're going to get to bold predictions. Uh, Can't leave without talking about the freshman impact. I know under the Kelly era, at least, it was always kind of like, well, what do you mean freshman impact? But even with him, there were guys that stepped up as freshmen. Um, I think the running joke was more, more about wide receiver than anything when it came to, to that, that area um, of talk. But um, there's always a couple freshmen that end up, you know, being really solid players, whether it's a huge impact or minimal, but there, there's something to notice there. So Mason, go ahead and start us off. Who do you have as your best freshman this year?
0: Uh, side note would be Jadarian Price. I was so high on him and we'll, we'll save this for next year because next year he's going to break out and I'll consider that as freshman year. Um, this year I'm going to take Jaden Mickey the corner. Uh, great things, you know, great reports out of him in camp, you know, not shocking for the people that followed his recruitment, watched his high school tape, knew what he was going to bring to, to Notre Dame. He has that dog kind of corner mentality to him that Notre Dame needs. And, you know, I just like what he brings to the table in a position of need for Notre Dame. So um, outside of Cam Hart, I don't really trust anybody at corner, you know, Tariq Bracey, there's been good things about him. Clarence Lewis, I still have the scars from him getting torched. So um, yeah, I'm sure he will rebound, but um, you know, bring some new blood in there. And I really like what Jaden Mickey brings to the table from his athleticism and, you know, just that demeanor he brings. So
2: I also have a note that says, mention J.D. Price for this question, all right? Like, being at the Blue and Gold game, seeing him, it just, it jumped, it stood out to you. It jumped out to you, his burst. It didn't look like a typical freshman. Um, And I left the Blue and Gold game going that is the young guy i am the most excited to see and i thought he was gonna have a real impact early so right on par with that very disappointed for him hope he gets back soon so i got an offensive one and a defensive one on defense i also had Jaden mickey for the exact same reasons and because A part of these discussions, when you're talking about best freshman or or young up-and-coming guy, a lot of this has to do with opportunity. Like, and and it's going to, that comes into play. Like, you could have a great young defensive line guy, but if there's upperclassmen that are going to play all the snaps, they don't have as much opportunity to break out as a freshman or a young guy. So Mickey, because I think he could do it, And there's some uncertainty there. We're going to need him in a lot of these packages. Offensively, I'm looking at this as needed to be and wanted to be. Merriweather, make some plays. Make some plays. It's a young guy we're going to need to play early. He's got a great opportunity to ball out, show out as a freshman, Get established before all the wide receiver talent being recruited that's coming the next couple of years gets here. He's got a great opportunity, big learning curve. I know Stucky's teaching him every day, teaching, 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 but he's just going to have to let his skills show because the team needs it. So that is a want and a need on Merriweather.
1: Yeah. I mean, you guys again, we're, we're on the same page here. I was back and forth with Mickey and, and, uh, Merriweather. Um, I, I also, you know, the JD price stuff is, is, is a, a big shout out. Cause I think we all agree that we probably would have had him there if not for the injury. Um, another guy I would throw out there as a, you know, maybe an honorable mention of sorts is Eli Raridan. Um, I think he's a guy that's going to be you know, because of the need at wide receiver, he doesn't have to necessarily be a tight end per se for Notre Dame this year. You can bring him out, put him out wide, and he's another guy that I think is kind of just a physical freak. And you put him in the red zone. I wouldn't be surprised if, just as an example, he has like 18 catches on the season, but like five or six of them go for touchdowns just because of the way they use him. Um, but I'm gonna go with Merriweather, and the reason I lean Merriweather over Mickey is a lot of what John said. It's the they they need it. And I think he's ready to be a guy. I don't think he's going to be the number one player on the offense. I'm not saying he's going to go off for a thousand yards or something like that as a freshman, but I think he's a kid that is more than capable of putting up yardage and being a factor in the offense as a freshman. Um, he, he's a little small when it comes to, you know, like his, his weight, but he is so fast He's six, four, maybe closer to six, five. And I think he's just one of those kids that just gets it. And he, he runs good routes. He, he knows that he is a physical specimen overall. And I just don't think it's the learning curve that some freshmen have. I don't think it's going to be there for him. So maybe there's some games where it's a little bit, you know, high upside, low floor where he, you know, maybe there's some games where he goes only two for 20 or two for 15, whatever, but then he might have some games where he has seven catches for 150 yards. And I think there's an argument there that if he has, a, you know, four or five of those really big games, kind of talking like Mason, me and you talk fantasy football all the time, there's that variance where you want that upside, even if you know the floor can be a little bit lower at times. So if, for example, if he goes off against Ohio State or Clemson or USC and has big games against one of those teams or two of those teams, to me that means more than if he goes two for twenty against Marshall for whatever, because they're up big and he's just you know he doesn't see a lot of car- targets or something like that. So I think there's going to be a few big games in there, and, I, and, that, and that's the reason I ended up putting him putting him on the uh, as best freshman.
0: Yeah, you want the guy that, you know, that variance, the guy that's going to win you a week in fantasy football terms, right? The guy, he goes off for, you know, 10 for 170 and two, and that's totally possible. Yeah, and I think as a freshman, he has that. Yeah, you can't say that about a lot of guys, so I think that just proves that he has the potential to be special from year one.
2: Yep, and he's going to have the opportunity to do it right away, and that's an issue with – guys that are really skilled but if you're coming into ohio state's wide receiver room grab a red shirt young man (laughs) and like you know like so a lot of this has to do with opportunities and i hope stucky and whoever else is telling him you got a great chance here so learn everything you can learn and then when those lights turn on let your talent take over and make some big plays i love it
1: yep yep last superlative is a kind of a fun one i mean all of them are fun but if you could pick a kid in the two thousand and twenty-three class right now—that's a current Notre Dame commit, um, so no cheating—who—who <laughs> um, who would you want on this roster that you feel like can make an impact? And John, I—I think Mason you started last, so John will go with you.
2: I think I'm going to go with a disruptive defensive lineman, five-star Keon. Just kidding. Just, just kidding. We're not. Just kidding. Just kidding. <laughs> I had to, I had to, you couldn't, you, you knew I wasn't going to go this whole time. I had to do something. Anyways, let's move on from that. I got one offense, one defense by one. I mean, multiple, but follow me here. There's, there's a nothing I do is random. There's gotta be a, a philosophical reason for the paths I go down here. Sure. So if I'm, if I'm looking at 23 and wishing they were here now, defensively give me Bowen or Gray give me some help in that secondary right now like like give me those guys physical skill sets in an area that has me nervous because it has had me nervous for Notre Dame my whole life so defensively I would look at the top players from that class that could boost what I think is a big not big but a question mark So give me whichever one of those guys you prefer to help bolster the defense. Offensively, similar kind of mindset. So I'm looking at our biggest need. Go ahead and pick your favorite wide receiver out of James, Greathouse, Flores, pick whichever one you like the best, and then give me them just to have another athletic body out there. In a problem area with a young quarterback that needs as much help as he could get from the outside. Those are my picks.
0: Yeah, I have Braylon James written down uh, just because of the, n- the numbers, the lack of numbers at receiver, uh, I think that he's a guy that would be able to play from day one, kind of like Merriweather. They're different body types, but I think they both have the skill set to be able to play, you know, early on. And I think we'll see that from Braylon James next year unfortunately not this year. There were random whispers about him reclassifying, but looks like, I mean, not going to happen. So um, yeah, Braylon James, I think he would be an impactful piece for Notre Dame. Uh, lack of numbers at receiver and, you know, guys tend to go down. So um, Brayden lindsay has been injured a bunch. Deion Colsey's shown that he's gets injured a little bit. Jaden Thomas is banged up. Avery Davis is gone. So uh, yeah, I think that you know, going with the receiver or, you know, John's picks were great too, going with Bowen or Gray. And sharing up the secondary. So that's two positions Notre Dame needs, and they're bringing in solid pieces on both. Yeah,
1: we're on the same page here. I actually ended up going with a different receiver, though, and here's my reasoning for it. I I think Braylon James has the highest upside of anybody in that 2023 class at the receiver position, Um, but I'm actually very happy that he did not reclassify just because I do think he needs that extra year, and I want him coming in as an actual true freshman and not the redshirt where he can leave after two years if he does explode, Um, or at least two years based off of when he would would arrive because I do think he would have redshirted if he did come in. Um, So I went with Jaden Greyhouse. Not again, not because I feel like he's the best receiver that's coming in. I think Braylon James is very much going to be the best receiver out of this class when, when it's all said and done, but great. And I hate to bring up the name because we, we, we hate that he left the class, but great house brings a lot of memories back to CJ Williams. I think he's, he's very close to on par with CJ Williams, not only from a ready to go standpoint as a freshman when he does come in, but also just as a, the type of player he is. He's going to be a possession receiver, reliable hands, played the t- the best of the best competition, or obviously Great House when it comes to, you know, 5A Texas high school. And, um, you know, CJ Williams went to modern day where they play pretty much everybody in the country and are consistently ranked number one. So I went with Great House just because I think he's the guy that if he were in, if he reclassified to 2022, he'd be ready to go and, and actually be able to contribute. Um, can't argue with the guys that John said on defense. Pey- Peyton Bowen, I think, is a special athlete. Um, he's a guy that honestly has cornerback uh, skills when it comes to his pure speed. Um, but we, I think we all know that the, the wide receiver room is kind of the one that's in flux more so than anything. And uh, Great House, I think, would bring some, some reliable um, reliableness to the, uh, to the wide receiver room as a true freshman.
0: Nathan, are we still doing our bold predictions as well?
1: Yeah, yeah, we're gonna do bold predictions here. Um, if you guys have anything else, real quick, to to comment on the on the best freshman, we can. If not, we'll move right into it.
0: Yeah, I got nothing else. Yeah, me neither.
1: Perfect, perfect. So we'll, what we're gonna do is, I think I, I have two bold predictions. I think I asked both of you to do the same, if you can. Um, we'll kind of just go around, kind of round robin here. Um, John, what, what do you have for your first bold prediction?
2: so i did one on the good side bold prediction and one on the bad side which i knew one when want? i
1: told you i knew when i told you it could be good or bad you were going to pick a bad one too i knew it
2: what, what do you mean i'm, I'm mr glass <laughs> half empty and then you gave me an opportunity to drink half the glass i know i know so what do you want positive or negative
1: no, i want you to do both because i told you All right.
2: First. On the positive side, I don't know if this is bold, but according to half the fan base I talked to, it might be. Assuming relatively decent health, I think Notre Dame fans are going to feel a lot more confidence in what they have in Tyler Buckner after this year. I do not expect those passing numbers to be outrageous because I just expect there to be some very frustrating weeks with it. But I think his leadership overall, what he's going to do with his legs, uh, he's not a guy who gets flustered. He's very kind of even keel temperament, just like me. Go with the flow. I think all that's going to pay off, and Notre Dame fans are going to feel like they know what they have in him. Rather than just being sold potential, 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 then it's an injury, then it's a COVID year, then he's kind of borderline redshirting. Notre Dame can't go another year and get to the end and not know exactly what they think they have in Buckner. And I do think he's going to do enough that that Notre Dame fans are going to be confident with him and then when you have Carr riding in on on the foottails of that will feel even better. So, I think it's his time to shine and I expect him to rise to the moment as best he can. Um, given some of the limitations with the talent. So I think Notre Dame fans are going to end up in a better spot and more confidence with that uh, than we sit now. Bold prediction on the bad side. It would not surprise me at all with all of the newness around Notre Dame. New head coach, mostly new staff, new quarterback, Okay, all this stuff. It would not surprise me at all if Notre Dame lost a dumb game 218, they have more talent than this year. Injuries, everything goes wrong. I just I don't know why I have that stuck in my mind, but it would not surprise me. Year one with so many new pieces. If we dropped a game, Kelly probably wouldn't drop. Now, Kelly gives you no chance to win any of the big ones, but he at least got down the road enough to where he wasn't going to lose to the ones he has more talent than. I could see that happening year one while all the kinks are being worked out and the rosters in the middle being flipped. So there you go. One good one, one bad one.
0: Yeah. John, I like a lot of your points, especially, you know, the first one being that Notre Dame is going to find out what they have in Tyler Buckner for better or for worse, you know, this year, I think he's giving, he's being given the reins to, you know, to take the offense. And we're going to see, you know, exactly what he's made of in in a full year of Tyler Buckner and, you know, hopefully for better, I think we're going to, you know, we're going to find out one way or another, Um, So looking at my bold predictions, I have both, both are positive. Actually, I chose to go the positive route. Um, First one I have Tobias Merriweather finishes with more yards and touchdowns than everyone not named Lorenzo Styles and Michael Mayer. So that's Joe Wilkins, Jaden Thomas, Dion Colsey, that whole group. Um, I think that he has the potential and he's just going to be needed uh, to contribute a lot of yards. And he's a big body in the, in the end zone. So
2: I thought this was called bold predictions, not obvious what's going to happen. Mason,
0: do you think, you think he'll be the third, the third target and have more yards than Lindsay Colsey Thomas, all of them. I,
2: I just think I, I don't trust those any of those other guys i just don't trust any of them i can't i don't know why i just don't
0: Merryweather and a gold helmet yet
2: yeah it, it's just and it's like Lindsay. oh all that speed i love it till you get a hangnail, and he's out four to six like i just can't trust it how
0: damn I, it I, I get how in the, the hell hole, but i <laughs>
2: everybody's hurt. You went over the wide receivers. This guy, this guy, this guy's coming off this. We're not even into the first game. How are we going to have anything but all walk-ons halfway into the season? Honestly, if everybody's banged up now, how's it going to get easier?
0: Salerno and Radigan will be just fine.
2: Oh my God. People, why Notre Dame shouldn't be in a position where these walk-ons are you the best wide receiver, guys, at Notre Dame? Give me a break.
0: All right, I'll move to my second one. Um, this one's, again, more positive, but I think you guys will both agree with this one as well. Um, initially, I had Riley Mills finishes with more sacks than Isaiah Foskey, but I ended up switching it to Mills and Fosky both finish with double-digit sacks, and I think that's totally possible. I don't know how realistic it is, but I think they both have the talent to do so, and I wouldn't surprise me at all. Foskens ended with twelve, and uh, Mills ended with ten, and a bunch of tackles for loss.
2: I like I like that I like that a lot.
0: So now we know, not
1: to mention bold predictions at wide receiver in front of John. Um, a Dude, fun... I,
2: Nathan, I can't <laughs> handle it. This is Notre Dame, I feel, and right. we're going into the season, and they're like, oh well, we have like two guys that can walk and the other ones are volunteering, you know, on the badminton team, and we might go get them and have them play. I, I, the fact that Notre Dame is this good of a program the last handful of years and we're in this position, sure, I, it's astounding to me.
1: Well, it's funny you said it because I was going to joke and say that that's not a bold prediction either, but I do think because he's a freshman. The one thing I will say, John, and this is one thing that I've, I've mentioned to you, Way prior to the Marcus Freeman era um, when, when Brian Kelly obviously was still the head coach was this idea that people get fatigued by guys that have only been in the program for one season so I, that's the only thing I would caution you about when not not the lack of depth because I think we all realize there's a lack of depth but we talk about Merriweather because he's the new guy and obviously we, we like him but we forget that Deion Colsey was a very close to a top 100 player Jaden Thomas was a four-star guy. Obviously, we we know what we see in Lorenzo Styles. I think we all agree that Lorenzo Styles is a good player because of what he showed last year. So that's the one thing I would caution just everybody, not just yourself, is this idea that just because these guys are only that are they've been on campus for already a year doesn't mean that there shouldn't be this lack of trust. There's, I mean, even at Ohio State and other schools where. I mean, guys redshirt because – not only because there's guys in front of them, but just because they're not ready to contribute at a high-level year one. That's very common. So that would be the only thing I'd caution you on when it comes to saying you don't trust those guys or you trust – But how – but wait, 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 wait.
2: Wait, wait. No, 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 no. I get what you're saying. I meant like trusting – But 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 regardless of the reason – I can't trust you. If you're not out there making plays, why you're telling me to trust something I haven't seen happen yet.
1: I'm saying I'm at like more so trusting them over or, or less than Tobias Merriweather.
2: Okay. All right. I get what you're seeing on that. Like, uh, yeah, I mean, I get if your point is everybody's excited about Merriweather cause he's a new fresh toy. There just needs to that, be, I think there just
1: needs to be patience or more patience at times with certain guys. The, yeah, depth, that's, the depth is certainly something to, that is none of us like. But, but then
2: you also know people are going to go, okay, well, I get that. But like Coles, he had he's been around. So like there's, you would say, well, if I didn't see him making this big move, then people write him off, I think, after year one. Is, right. that, I, is that what you mean? Like, yeah, I just if a guy was- like that didn't ball out, then it's like, well, then he must be no good for three more years. Is that more what you mean? yeah i mean look at what yeah. did will, what did, how many
1: catches did will fuller have his freshman year like five right right so i mean
2: yeah um, I, I, I just i just can't trust when i say trust if i haven't seen it been done yet <laughs> reliably then I, I can't trust it you know i
1: feel it all
2: Col- right get- colsey's got a great chance i mean he, he has a great opportunity uh yeah, but everything I hear is it's like there's little flashes, but like we're waiting for it to all click. Let's go.
1: Sure. I'm gonna. We have about five minutes left, so I'm gonna get to my bold predictions here, and then you guys can comment real quick. Um, I mentioned this this first one in when I was talking about Lorenzo Styles as my offensive player of the year. Um, I think he's going to have the best wide receiver season at Notre Dame since. Will Fuller 2015, 2014, whichever one you decide was better, um, you could probably throw Claypool's 2019 season in there as well. I was looking up some stats, and I think Claypool had like 66 for a little over a thousand and 13 touchdowns. Um, Will Fuller, his uh, one of the years had like 76 for a thousand and 15, and then the other one was a little bit less. It was like 62, but he had almost 1300 yards and, um, 14 or 15 touchdowns, whatever it was. So I think styles, maybe not from a touchdown standpoint, but from a getting over a thousand yards, having 60 plus catches and then having, you know, anywhere from like seven to 13 touchdowns. Um, obviously I think that puts him comfortably in the range as one of the best receiver seasons since, since Will Fuller and Claypool specifically. Um, so that's my first bold prediction. Um, I just have, I just think he's going to be great. And that's actually, I uh, Mason probably knows this. that's been one of my predictions for a while. Now I've been kind of dying to get to this, this podcast to say, it. I've been saying it since early last year after the season ended. Um, the other one is, and I kind of mentioned this when we were talking with Jack Lennier last week, this was before the Jack or the, this was before the uh, Jarrett Patterson news broke. Um, but I think that Notre Dame or not think, but my bold prediction is that they're going to win the Joe Moore award, um, on for the, for the best offensive line in college football. Um, I, I I love the the bookends at tackle. I think they're both going to be first round picks whenever they decide to leave. Um, I I think Zeke Correll at center and moving Patterson to guard is awesome, um, for at least cohesion and putting the best five out there at, at offensive line. And then, uh, you know, Josh Lugg, sixth year senior. I don't think he's maybe anything special per se, but he's he could have been a guy that was up for Mr. Reliable, um, just as an example, a guy that's going to not going to hurt your program in any shape or form. And I I think there's a really good chance that this this offensive line is the best unit in college football.
2: You know what? Those are really good points. And also I'm going to bring up it's possible we all made a mistake overlooking some of the offensive linemen as far as Mr. Reliable, by the way, you know, or like, I, I don't know, maybe we overlooked that. Um, But yeah, I, I like those, those reasons. You don't think, you don't think that they're just going to blanket your favorite wide receiver this year, knowing Notre Dame doesn't have a bunch around it. You think he's going to do those numbers anyways, in spite of that.
1: I think it goes back to what I said about him when, when I was talking about him as the offensive player of the year. I just think he's going to be one of those guys that it doesn't matter. I yeah. mean, you see that at Alabama, you see that at Ohio state, you see that at Georgia at times. Like, I just think, um, first of all, if anybody can can provide anything outside of styles and mayor, that that will obviously help. But yeah. I, I just think styles is going to be so good that he's essentially going to be borderline unguardable um, when it comes to that kind of stuff. Like, Sure. Are there going to be games where uh, um, he doesn't get, you know, put out the best, you know, sure. But I, I just think there's going to be, he's first of all, he's going to be the focus of of Tyler Buckner and, and Reese outside of Merrick, Um And they're just going to, they're going to force feed him the football, which helps, but yeah, um, but yeah, we got to get out of here. We've been, I think we've been talking for a while. Um, any, any last second thoughts
0: here, guys? No, just appreciate John coming on. Uh, We always appreciate your insight and your little rants are always entertaining. So uh, looking forward to you again (laughs) at top end, John.
2: No, I appreciate the invite as well. And um, and, you know, you guys have done work on my show. It's beautiful. I love getting with you guys and hearing where we overlap, but also hearing some of the differences, really interesting, great exercise. And you
1: guys can find, if you're not following John on Twitter, follow him at always Irish I N C. Um, that's where you can find him always irish inc i'm assuming is what kind of that (laughs) that goes to but um obviously you can find me at nathan underscore orbach you can find mason at mason plumber underscore as always um again like i always say guys leave us a tip it's on our profiles you can go on to our uh anchor profile as well that's listed on our new golden homers uh twitter at golden homers um if you guys like what you're hearing you guys can always uh Um, leave us uh, a tip and leave us some money to help us out. So thanks guys. And we'll see you next week.